If you have your Bibles, go ahead, open them up to the book of Ephesians. Chapter 4 is where we're going to be. Ephesians chapter 4. Whew. As you get ready, just a quick poll for our heating and air guys. Is it warm in here? It is warm in here. I had to unbutton my jacket, and that's not just because it was too tight, because I was practicing gluttony over the weekend, but no. Um, but man, oh man, yeah. Um, I'm really just kidding. It's not that hot. It is a little warm. It is a little warm? All right, some people going, yeah, it is a little warm. All right, so we are going to be in chapter 4 in the book of Ephesians, and that's where we're going to be today. And I want to talk to you all about uh, looking like a Christian even when you're not trying to be. All right, so Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 is where we're going to start. Ephesians 4, 17. Paul was just talking to the people saying that you are to be in Christ, who is the head of the church, and everything in your life will be growing together for that one cause. So that's where we're picking up. Uh, 17 says this. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanliness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. And then he says, If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. All right. So looking like a Christian. Oh, I'm going to hang this here. So looking like a Christian, even when you're not trying to be, is what we're going to be talking about this morning. So um, have you ever tried to look like a Christian? And you're just not trying to be. Nobody in here is a fake and a phony and a fraud. You don't want to admit that. Yeah, we all have, right? We like that little Jesus link on Facebook. Oh, yeah, I like that. Right? And we do all that stuff, even though we're like, yeah, I'm not feeling it right now. But it's the right thing to do. Right? Someone's laughing at me. What's that about? Anyway, I did what? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I've got a stain on my shirt. So, y'all just don't mind that. Don't mind that. Because the shirt, the shirt doesn't represent who I really am, does it? Or who I act like or how I dress. But sometimes there's some stainage that gets to me. Can I say stainage? Right? Got stainage? So... Sometimes some stainage hits me. 
and it doesn't look right, right? And some of y'all, I can't believe he's preaching in that. Some of y'all probably thought I didn't really notice that this was looking like Gage was like, I wonder if he knows he's got like a big black spot and a purple spot and a red spot and a yellow. We get hit with stuff in our life and we don't intend to wear stuff like this but everybody in here has gone to a party or just in public and you've been around people and you had broccoli in your teeth right yeah or is it just me your zipper's been down something embarrassing where you're like that couldn't happen oh man and you feel bad or you've had a stain on your shirt that you didn't notice Sometimes we go through life and, and we don't realize that we got this stuff on us. Sometimes we realize that we got stuff on it. What was I wearing a little while ago? I'm wearing that jacket right there. Y'all didn't know I looked this nasty because I was covering it up. Y'all following me? I can cover up what's there with a jacket of righteousness, right? I can do that, and you have no idea what is going on under it, all this mess. Because I can put on my happy face, I can say the right things, I can smile, I can joke with the the kids, I can tell you about everything that happened in the family the last few days, and smile and nod and play nice with you. But there's all this under there. Now, when we look at what Paul was writing here, he's writing to the church, all right? He's writing to folks who are saved, who may be struggling a little bit, who are walking the walk, and then at some point there's this little deviation of where they've been going. Maybe they've listened to some bad preachers come along. Maybe there's some bad doctrine here and there in their lives, and it's it's added stains to them and they've taken it in. Maybe there's some sin in their life that they've still been struggling with that is staining them. That's the mustard one right here, right? So maybe there's that stuff going on. I'll tell you what, 2001 is when God came into my life and he radically changed me, right? He came in, I was born again, I was saved, I was made in his image spiritually now. And there were a lot of things in my life that ended that day, ended that week, ended that month, ended that year. Things that I thought I had no control of over. Desires, urges, things like that. A lot of that stuff was dropped right then. But guess what? as is true with a lot of y'all's testimonies, there were other things that were in my life that were still there that I couldn't shake. There were some bad habits, some other things that stuck with me and did and still pop up occasionally. I don't want them there. I'm not proud of them. But they're still there. So today I want to show you hopefully something that you can apply to your life of how to look pure and righteous and holy 
even when you're not trying. And not just acting like it, but to actually exude that. To actually be dripping God's holiness from you so you don't end up always like a mess. Now, is it a problem that you're a mess? No. But the first thing you got to do is acknowledge, yeah, I got something on me. Right? And a lot of times people go through life and they won't look down because they don't want to check themselves out. They don't want to look in the mirror at their teeth to find that piece of broccoli. They're just okay with it. And they just move along because ignorance is what? Bliss. Right? And we're going to look at all that. All right. So the first thing that I want to show you today is that when you're in the world, you don't need to walk like the world. And that's the first thing that Paul says here. In verse 17, he says, you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles or the outside world as they walk in the futility of their mind, meaning the smallness of their mind. They don't see the big picture, right? As a believer, as someone in Christ, you kind of get the eternal perspective, hopefully. You kind of get it is what I'm hoping. So in the big picture... You see, there's me, there's my life, there's me without Christ, there's sin, there's a coming judgment, there's an eternity separated from God. You see that, hopefully. There needs to be that change, there was that change, and now I'm in Christ. And now I have his righteousness, and his goodness, and his holiness. So, don't walk with them like that. Well, what's that mean? Don't walk as they walk, as the rest of them. How's the rest of the world walk in comparison to Christianity? Head down, looking in the sand, looking at all the things that bring them pleasure and go, yeah, just do it. Just do it. Whatever makes you happy, right? Does that phrase not bother some of y'all? It makes us sound like such whiny little brats. I just want to be happy, right? I just, um, I, I just figured that things weren't going the way I wanted them to at the job, so I just quit because it wasn't making me happy. Can I do that voice? Is that offensive to the people that talk like whiners? Anyway, so I just, I just wasn't happy with my life. It was in the marriage. I, I just couldn't find happiness there. So, you know, I told him to get out as I was sleeping with his brother, right? And we, but this kind of stuff happens. You know, I'm, it legit happens. And people talk about their happiness as though it's the only thing that matters in life. But it doesn't. Don't walk like the rest of the world. He says, they have such small minds, it goes beyond you, right? You're not the most important thing in this universe, Although so often that's what messages tell our society and our kids and that kind of stuff. So we got to stop walking like them. Then we got to stop thinking like them. And I kind of touched on that. And then it says, don't be ignorant like them. Because if you're ignorant like the rest of the world and you're not understanding the things that really matter and the things that are really important, and you're ignorant to that stuff, and your, your motto is, ignorance is bliss. 
I'll just go through life, and as long as it doesn't affect me, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm just going to keep pursuing that which matters to only me. Then you're walking like the rest of the world. And when you walk in that ignorance, it leads to a blind heart is what it says right here. It leads to a hard heart. You want to be a hard-hearted person? Walk in ignorance. Walk according to this world and and the the pleasures of this world. And it will make you ignorant. It will make you hard-hearted. Nothing else will matter in life. Some of the things that break my heart are when, when people won't help out someone else that legit needs help. When someone else legitimately needs help, they look at them and they go, yeah, well, you know, too bad. And they move on. Because it's not easy for me. And it doesn't, it doesn't help my agenda out from my life. So I'm just going to move on. Now, there are people that abuse that, right? And they go, oh, there's a sucker. I can get 50 bucks off of him real fast. And our world scams people. And it scams people once again. And we see the things that take place by scammers because of this passage. They have that blindness of heart, that ignorance. They're only concerned about themselves. They don't care how it affects others. So we don't need to be ignorant like them because it leads to a hard heart. And a hard-heartedness and a blind-heartedness leads to separation with God. Separation from God. You'll be alienated from God is what the text says right there. If you are alienated from God, how can you say you have a relationship with him, right? Because one of the big key phrases of Christianity from, I guess it was like mid-90s until, you know, it's about relationship, not a religion. And that's true. But if we're alienated from Christ, how can we say we have that relationship with him? Right? There's some people, maybe even in this room, that started that relationship with Christ, with God, mm, 10 years ago. Let's just say that number. Five years ago, whenever. But you don't nurture that relationship. And you just let that relationship kind of go on autopilot. Some of y'all been married for 40, 50, 60 years. I admire you because sometimes things need to be on autopilot in a relationship, but you also understand the finer times when you need to put some extra attention and love into things. Because when you do that, you're pleasing the one that you say you love and you've pledged your allegiance to and your loyalties to your life to. God the Father is much the same way. When we become a Christian, when we are saved, when you are a born-again believer, whatever you want to call it, you're saying that you have that relationship with Him. But so often, we let the hardness of heart, the ignorance that we allow in our life, that we're okay with. We let the rest of the world pass us by and influence us. And we say, you know what? There's God and he always loves me. But I'm going to spend more time pursuing this world than I am him. 
And he'll take me back whenever. And yeah, he will. But wouldn't it be nice if you could actually have that close relationship that one day you'll look back and you'll go, ah, oh, I wish I was just closer with him longer. Because it's almost like I had to rediscover who he was all over again in my life. That happens in people's marriages. Sometimes they realize they've been married five years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever. And you have to rediscover that love. It's like me wanting to treat Nikki like I did when we were first dating. You know, I'd call her. You'd probably be like, he called me too much. He annoyed me. <laughs> I annoyed her and submitted her into marriage. I'd call her up. I'd take her out. We'd go on dates. How often do we get to go on dates now? Twice a year, maybe. Because I've, I lost that pursuit and that passion that I had at first with her. Back then, I used to be able to take her out and we'd go to, the dinner, go to dinner and the movies, and I miss those times, and I want to have it back like we used to. And then at the end of the date, I'd drop her off at her parents' house. I miss that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She probably misses that. <laughs> but what I'm getting at is... Imagine if we never let that fizzle with our spouses or, more importantly, with the Lord. So, Paul goes on and he shows us, don't think like them, don't be ignorant like them, it leads to separation with God. And then he calls them a, basically a callous, sensual, greedy people that practice impurity. He says that they gave themselves over to it. Some translations say that word, practice. When you give yourself over to something or you practice it, what's that mean? We got some athletes in here, some coaches in here. What's it mean if you were going to practice, right? People that like to practice stuff, whether it be archery Got an archer back there. What do you do when you practice whatever it is? You got to show up and you got to put in the time. Perfect practice does what? Makes what? Perfect. Y'all never heard this before? Perfect practice makes perfect play. Think about that. Imagine practicing sin, practicing the impurities in life that separate you even further from God. That's what Paul's saying. That's what they do. That's what the world does. Quit walking like they walk. Quit thinking like they think. Quit being ignorant and swallowing that up like they do. And then Paul tells them to remember something. So he says, remember Christ in his truth. 
Now, who's he talking to? The church at Ephesus. He says, remember Christ and his truth, assuming that you've heard it. And it's kind of like, well, duh, Paul. You know, you're talking to the church. You're talking to people who are believers. Of course they've heard it. Sometimes I wonder, because I know how I am, and I know, you know, I preach to relatively large chunk of the same people each week. Remember the gospel that you heard that changed your life. And sometimes I wonder if we show up on Sundays and if we really consider the gospel that we say brought us out of darkness and into light. I wonder. Because sometimes I look at folks and they got that jacket on, but I can see those stains behind it. And you're trying to pretend that you're someone that you're not, but we won't be vulnerable in our world. We won't be honest with other people in our world. Half the time, we won't be honest with ourselves. And we won't call out the flaws in our own life that a Christian brother or sister could help with, or even that God already knows about, but we're still hiding it from him, pretending like, oh, man, you are good, God, don't we? Right? Fist bump, God. But we won't allow ourselves to be vulnerable like that. He says, remember, assuming that you've heard it, and then he says, not everyone there may know, but assuming that you were taught in Christ. Now that's some, that's some thick stuff right there, that you were taught in him. What's it mean to be taught in Christ? That means to take the counsel of this word and to put yourself under in it. Under it and in it. Do you do that on a regular basis? Are you doing that? Some of you, it's for an hour a week. And you're like, you know what? Pfft, go to church on Sunday morning. That's my time to be in Christ. That's my time to be in the word and under the authority of Christ. And hey, what happens from there? God, you're in control. You do what you need to do in my life from there. For some of us, that's all we're given. That's all we're allowing him to do in us. But then there's others who say, you know what? I want to be in the word. I want to open the word daily. I want to spend time with God in prayer. And even when you intend on doing that, I understand life happens. It comes quick and the stains come faster than you realize And it causes you to drift. He says, remember, assuming that you're taught with him. In him. And then he says, you've got to put off concerning your former conduct. What's it mean to put something off? You ever hear someone say, oh, I was around her and, oh, I was just really put off. What's that mean? Yeah, you didn't want to be near him. You didn't want a part of it. You were like, oh, I don't know about that. Or it literally means to put off and to put away. 
And when you take something and you take it off, you're making a decision. And I've got to decide that I do not want this shirt, which is nastiness, which is disgusting. I'm not even going to tell you everything that's on there because some of it is actually gross. And I'm going to throw it down. I'll make sure you can see all the nastiness and the gross. I'll probably stain the carpet if I put it on the wrong side. And there is just some junk on that thing. Yeah, whatever. And I, I got to put on the new self. So I got to get the old off and I've got to get the new on. I got a new shirt down here. So as I go to my new shirt, you're not going to help dress me? Oh, thank you. Ooh, what a wife. <laughs> so I put this on. Now, when I put that on, was it an easy transition for me? Was it? Kind of. Not really. I'm still messing with microphones and all that kind of stuff, so it wasn't that simple. But I got it on. Was it instantaneous? No. I had to find it. I had to look for it. I had to reach down and grab it or have it thrown to me. I had to have help putting it on. I then have to put it on. I'm then buttoning it up. Buttoning up. And as I button it up, you going to change? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> and as we have a new garment, the stains aren't on it. And I put on the new and I took off the old. I leave the old where it was and I move forward in the new. Is the new always going to stay perfectly new? Is it going to get stained? It's probably going to get stained. But I don't let it get stained by going towards the pig pen. Remember the story of the prodigal son? That guy left a good situation to go to what he thought was a better situation. And then he was there with pigs eventually, eating with the hogs. And as he's eating with the hogs, he realized, even the servants in my father's house have it better than me. Hmm. He had to get up and head back that way. We've got to realize what we're sometimes. Take it off, put it down, and say, I want the new man. Because the old man is corrupt. It says it grows corrupt. The stains on this thing collect bacteria, create bacteria, create all sorts of germs. There's disgustingness and filth and gross stuff on this. I got to shed that. Because the world will tell me, no, 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 you're all right. You're okay. Wear that to bed. Really? Because now I just brought disgust 
into the bed. Wear that to work. Really? It's corrupted. Why do they bury people? Because the body is corrupted. And it can breed germs, nastiness, disease. But when it's buried, it's not just flowing through the air. The same thing with sin. It corrupts and it turns us into something that we don't want to be. So we put off the old self, we put on the new self, and we get away from the deceitful desires. We put on the new self of godliness, Christ-likeness, righteousness, which is holy and pure. And when we, when we put on a shirt, as you saw me put this one on a minute ago, put my arms in and I stretch them out. And it's just something small, but it reminds me of what Christ did for us as he stretched out his arms, as he took the wrath of God on our behalf so that we could have a right relationship with him, so that he could give us his righteousness and his goodness. And the Bible says his garments of righteousness. And when we are dressed and clothed in Christ and taught in Christ, and when our lives are in Christ, we have the ability to keep that stainless and pure. Now, will stain and, and sin find you? Absolutely. But most of the time, it's because you looked for the old garment to wear. You looked for that old thing and said, I'm going to wear an apron today because I know I'm going to do some nasty stuff. And we willingly put that on. But when you're in Christ, Christ gives you his pure righteousness so that you will look as he does, even though you're not even trying. Christ is our only hope. He's our only, he's our only pathway to true righteousness. And it's only through him that we can have that life. So this morning and this afternoon and the next time you're eating lunch and you drop a little on your shirt, I want you to think about the righteousness that Christ affords. I want you to think about his goodness that purified you, the new man that he made within you, and for you to wear that man, not trying to cover up the old, take off the old, throw the old in the trash can, because that's where it belongs, and let the newness of Christ work on you. Let that be your shine from within, because it's not just on you, it's in you. And you will radiate and you will glow and people will take notice. We're going to have a time to pray and uh, a time to respond. If the Lord's working in you, you just obey. Obey the Spirit as He leads you. 
If, you, if you'd like to be a part of this church family, you come. If there's something you just need to, to do, if, if you realize that you are lost without Christ, that you are not in Christ, that you've been happy wearing the, the stained garments of the old man and you don't want to let him go, then you come. And you leave him here at the altar with the other stained stuff. But you move as he leads you.